Hello everyone, before we get started, don't forget to subscribe, click on that notification bell, like, dislike, let us know what you're thinking. You could also follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Now, today, on the Angel of Words podcast, we have musician Ivan Banjo Fontanes on deck on the Angel of Words podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Angel of Words podcast. And today I have musician Ivan Banjo Fontanes joining us all the way from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Mr. Fontanes, thank you for joining the Angel of Words podcast today, sir. How are you? Yes, I'm doing fine. Thank you for contacting me and, and everything. Well, you know, I know I was I wish I was contacting you during some better times, you know, uh, during better social climate, you know, social and economic climates. But um uh, we really appreciate you being on the program today, and um, and you are in Minneapolis right now, the epicenter of where everything started. Uh, I just want uh, for you to let us know your thoughts on the George Floyd situation and uh, the tone of Minnesota right now. Um, yes, uh, so, so, you know I'm going to start by giving you a little context of how I end up here and what do I do here. Um, I'm a musician, uh, and I do you know marketing and advertising and also an activist. So I kind of play wear a lot of hats. Um, I lived here as a teenager, early 20s, moved to Puerto Rico for 10 years, and then moved back here about two and a half years ago after Hurricane Maria. Um, in Puerto Rico, I participated in, in a couple of, uh, of movements, you know, with the UPR and Puerto La Marina and different uh, actions and, and movements that, that happened there. So when I moved here, I wanted to keep that part of me going and I joined a group called Puerto Ricans in Minnesota Committee, uh, which is a political action group. It's been going on for, for you know over 20 years, and I'm one of the youngest members. Um, and uh, we used, we as part of that committee, we uh, our meetings are at a place called Conga Latin Distro, uh, which is you know like the well, um, there it's where George worked as as security. Um, so even though I wasn't a personal friend, I wouldn't say he was an acquaintance of, you know, I've seen him a couple of times. Hey, how you doing? He's a guy who works here and someone you, you know, you get to see often. Uh, so this happened last Monday. Uh, it's when he was killed by the cops and, and right away people, you know, took to the street. Uh, I was on the site the day after with the, with the march and protest. The next day, Wednesday, I was at the precinct where the vandalism and, and everything started. I was actually there. I saw the, the guy that started it all, which turned out to be an undercover police cop for the city of St. Paul. From the, from the city of St. Paul, I wouldn't say he was working for the police, but he's definitely a, a policeman for the city of St. Paul. Um, that's when, you know, first fire started next day. Um, there was more marches and I've been covering, uh, these events, uh, more as an independent journalist kind of deal. I haven't been, uh, personally involved in the marches as a protester, more as, you know, bringing the information, especially to the people in Puerto Rico and, and the people on my, on my social media, 
to bring the most firsthand um, kind of uh, account of events. Because I, I do know that uh, information gets manipulated and skewed to, to affect particular interests. Everybody has different interests and everybody kind of splits and turns. So I, I like to be presented with, with objective information that I could just then come to my own conclusions. And I, I like to bring that to people. That being said, uh, Minnesota reacted really quickly. Like I said, the very next day uh, after this went viral, uh, the, the, the images, and it was actually on live video, uh, Minnesota acted real quick. Uh, took, you know, people took to the streets. Uh, the Black Lives Matter movement kind of took the forefront of this um, because it's not the first time that this kind of incident has happened in Minnesota. Uh, it wasn't the first time that this particular police officer had done anything like this. Yeah. So we're very quick to withdraw in that, in that sense. Um, there's a lot of indignation, you know, uh, people called it out real quick and, and you know, the whole thing snowballed into what we see today worldwide, turn into a worldwide. Yes. And you say that that you know you uh, you knew uh, Mr. Floyd in passing. You said you said he didn't come off as a violent individual, correct? Pardon me, say that again. You said you you knew George uh, Mr. George Floyd in passing, the gentleman that passed away. Uh, I had in met passing. Him. I wouldn't you say had I met knew him. him, but I had met okay. him a couple times. Okay, and he didn't come off as a person that was violent or anything of that nature. No. Uh, you say yeah, okay, and then you're telling us that the uh, there was uh, I guess private cops involved in the in the arson of the police um uh station over there in minnesota it wasn't right so, so the the first on wednesday there was a, a gathering uh in front of the precinct the third precinct uh a police station which is where where this particular cop uh was assigned to and you know there was Definitely, there was uh, animosity. Um, the cops were on top of the of the police station shooting, um, you know, the rubber bullets and the and the tear gas. Across the street, there's a strip mall. On that strip mall is where you see the Target and the Cup Food and all these, which are uh, two uh, grocery stores, and that was kind of the epicenter of of the of the riot. Across the street, and in that mall, there is a AutoZone. Um. And one guy dressed in all black with a with an umbrella and a, and a full-on like riot gas mask um, was starting to smash the windows of that particular establishment just across the street. Um, protesters go to him and try to stop him and you know drive him away, but once those glasses break, it kind of just people's uh, energy just kind of riles up and and. And that's the first building that gets burned after this guy had, you know, smashed the windows. Over the course of the rest of the days, his ex-wife comes forward um, to say, you know, that's him. I know him because of the way he walks and the mask he's wearing is mine. Uh, that's definitely him. And uh, some research turned out to point that he was a, he's a, a St. Paul police officer. Wow. Now, in New York City, I, I I felt like it took a little while for the 
longer than I expected for the Spanish community to get involved, you know, and what's going on. Did you see that same type of uh, uh, of energy out there in Minnesota when this went down? Or, you know, is there a, because, you know, there's, there is a population of Spanish people, I would imagine, out there. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're you know. There's a great um, Mexican community. It's the largest community. There's a Dominican and Puerto Rican and, and some other countries as well. Um, so, of two factors. First, Floyd worked at Conga, which is, like I said, the Caribbean food place. That's where we have the salsa nights, and that's where. So the the Latin community knew this guy as the bouncer of the club. And, I mean, you've gone out to clubs once you frequent a club, you get to know the person. You've seen him. It's someone you see all the time. Um, and he also worked, worked security at another club called El Rodeo, which is a, a bigger venue that is not there anymore. It burns to the ground. Um, where, you know, the reggaeton shows and the big salsa shows, so, you know, 3,000 people club, larger uh, kind of club. He also worked there. Also in that building where the club was, was housed, uh, one of the Latino stations, the Mexican stations. So he definitely had a, a closeness to the Latino community. Um, fun fact, the officer that killed George worked with him at that second club I mentioned. Wow. So, wow. Um, yeah, this story, it just keeps getting weirder and weirder. So many twists and turns and intertwines that that it's movie like man now um uh banjo um what 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 have you how do you feel about the the spanish news media's coverage of this whole situation because i feel like they really haven't been uh i feel like they've been implicit and not covering things accurately to say the least. Um, so I haven't followed too closely the Latino media and here, you know, the Latin media. Nationally, we, there's Telemundo and Univision. Locally, there is some uh, different outlets, some small news or radio stations. For here, which is the ones I could uh, talk about, they, they have yeah. been very active. I've seen colleagues, a lot of the colleagues present in every single uh, demonstration from the beginning. Um, what are they saying? What is their perspective? What are they highlighting? I wouldn't be able to tell. Uh, I don't think I'm in a position as to make those judgments. Um, but that is precisely what I, why I decided to go there also myself to just kind of bring the information as it was unfolding and, and for, for for it to be available to people to make their own judgments. Okay. Now, you, you know, you've been a musician, uh, f- you know, for, for, for uh, quite a bit, little bit of time. And, you know, have you noticed that uh, music playing a role in helping to, de- not desensitize, but helping to soothe people's souls out there in Minnesota? Has music played any role in this? Well, the police has been the national anthem in Minnesota for the past week. <laughs> That's all I can say. It's everywhere. There's everywhere you go. There's cars. There's you know people on their bikes. There. It's called the police uh, by NWA, all the way. Um, there was a. There's been some some drum circles by the Native American community, and it's 
not drum circles, but they do incorporate some drumming into their chants and their ceremonies, which have been really, really uh, present in all of this. They actually, the Native American community has been very active in this whole uh, thing. I wouldn't say it's been, for example, like in Puerto Rico, where you have your pleneros and your bomberos everywhere at every march. They're always there. That's kind of how we move the yeah. the chant. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, here is it's not the same. Yeah. Uh, a lot of hip hop and black, you know, black and but um, I want to say you know it's been there, but it hasn't been a a, a protagonist in in these uh, manifestaciones like in Puerto Rico where Plena is in the front, you know, it it drives the music. That particular, I haven't I haven't seen something like that. Now, um. What what do you have to say about like the looting and stuff like that? Do you have any thoughts on that? Because you know that that's been a big deal in the media right now. You know, have you seen any looting? Has it subsided? Uh, what's going on in in Minnesota when it comes to that situation? So aside from what I what I mentioned to you of of, of when it started, um, I had to leave that day. I, you know, I, I come home to my family and I don't like to leave them alone, especially in this situation. So what I've seen of the looting and stuff has been from social media. Again, uh, I, I wouldn't pass the judgment because I wasn't there. Um, but I've seen the movement and, and, and the protesters have been uh, peaceful. You know, I think there is always people that take advantage of these situations to either blame the black community and make them look as the perpetrators and make them look, look bad and... and, and and take credibility away from the movement. Uh, there is people that have their own agendas and and also, you know, they kind of hide with the, the protesters to do their bidding. There are some people that just straight up like chaos and don't give a damn. They just want to see stuff breaks and, and, and you all, that's always seen as well in different uh, protests. So um, for what I've seen, it's been peaceful people now you know um we would also like to know yeah sorry about that you broke up a little bit now uh uh ivan we would like to know why they call you banjo man get a little bit into that situation oh. <laughs> if you don't mind switching switching gears there on you a little well, bit you no know? problem no problem so you're puerto rican correct yes i am yes i am so, you know you have you know how abuelitas give you the weirdest nicknames uh -huh. you know, they call me Chito, so I get it. Exactly. <laughs> so it's kind of like that, like, how does yeah. it, Angel, say, well, Angel, Angelito, Angel, Chicho, Chicho, Chito. So yeah. mine is Ivan. So Ivan, Ivan, Chito, Banjito, Banjito, Banjo, Banjo. And I just kind of stuck to me, and I've liked that name uh, since I was a kid. I and, and no, no, go ahead. I, I thought it was because you played, you know, you played instruments. There, I thought it came from there. That's what I was going to clarify. <laughs> so a lot of people ask me, oh, so yeah, it makes sense. You're a musician. You play banjo. It's like, well, actually, I learned to play some banjo because I was called banjo already. Okay. That's I, awesome, I, man. You know, I play guitar and I'm a singer-songwriter. I, I play plena and bomba mostly and you know, do some hip-hop as well. So the, the banjo came came after. And then just mess around. Was... No, and, and I... I, I... What? No, go ahead. Oh, no, I, no, I was going to. OK, no, I was going to say, I, I love the fact that you pay Bomba Plena and that, ha you know, and we are still keeping that wave alive 
because you know if we don't con- you know with with all this electronic music and things being done digitally you know you can lose your culture you know what i'm saying it, it uh, like that you know if, if you're not playing these live instruments and i would like to thank you for keeping that wave alive i mean what what and what influences you and what makes you want to keep that going uh well man um uh, like i said i i started at a, i think at 11 years old i had a teacher at school in Puerto Rico, we're like, hey, you know, let's play, play a night. Okay. And, you know, he started us. So my parents got me my, my first pandereta. And, and being from Puerto Rico, being for the liberation of Puerto Rico and kind of identifying with, with the independence or movement, uh, it goes hand in hand, you know? Uh, so, it, it just stayed around, and then when I moved here to Minnesota for the first time, I joined a Puerto Rican cultural center, and they had a, a bomba group for, for teenagers called Raices, and we performed, and I kind of stuck to that, and went to Puerto Rico, and started, you know, getting in touch with the community, and joining, and, you know, went to Bonplenazos in New York, and, and I've been around, it's, you know, uh, it's a means of expression, it always has, and it's a means of, of, of partying and having a great time. And I'm very proud of, of my culture, so so I've made made it a, an issue to to stay close to that. And we have now. I have a. I participate in a group here called Plena Total. Now I, I I saw that you you know I, I you just mentioned that you know you you part of the Puerto Rican you want to be part of the Puerto Rican liberation you know you do have a background in political science could you ex, could you explain your feelings to us on the state of affairs of of Puerto Rico right now and the overthrowing peacefully might I add of Ricardo Rosselló which was a you know which a great accomplishment because he did have to be thrown out of there because of that kind of bigotry that he was expressing, um, could, you know. And could you describe uh, you know why that is so important, nationalism? Well, um, I think out of principle, I believe in self determination of, of uh, countries. Um, don't believe in colonialism. I think it should end. It's just a matter of principle. Uh, I'm not anti-American by any means, um, but I am pro-Puerto Rican. Uh, you can, you know, when you, people come of age, they leave their home. doesn't mean they hate their parents. means that it's time for go out and, and try it on your own. And, and after, you know, studying and school and life and reading and educating myself, you know, I realized something very simple that what is needed for Puerto Rico to become a state uh, it's the same that it's needed for Puerto Rico to become an independent nation. And if we want to go in that direction, then just might as well do it on our own and have more control of our finances, of, of our uh, diplomatic relations, of who we do trade with, uh, and, and how we work our land and, and, and how administer the resources. It should be our own decision, you know. Uh, it's not mutually exclusive to love Puerto Rico and having respect for the United States. That can happen. Um, and uh, in terms of what happened in Puerto Rico last summer, I was very, very proud because we, and by we, we mean the people that believe in this kind of justice, whether it's, you know, social or political, I've always been taught that these 
demonstrators and these methods don't work. But, you know, I march with 100,000 people to get Marina out of Vieques, and it worked. Um, I was here when that particular summer happened, but years and years prior to that, you know, the 1st of May and, and the UPR and, and a lot of other uh, times, I was, and people that I respected a lot, uh, personally, intellectually, and, and it was very, it was very moving to see it work. It was very moving to get that win, to believe in something, and after trying and trying and having all the indications that it was a waste of time, then you finally get it, and it's like, this is why, why we fight for, you know? And, you know, it's important for me, you know, I'd never lived in Puerto Rico, but, you know, my mother was, she was a leader in the independent movement out there. You know, she's, she's always told me to stay away from politics. Don't do it at all. You know, you know, I, I try not to listen to her. So I became a journalist. <laughs> we always, the best way to get a kid to do something. They know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I, you know, I haven't ran for politics yet. And, you know, I always find it disconcerting because, you know, I always feel like, how is it that you're going to develop a country or, or develop a culture of wanting to develop economic independence when when there is no incentive out there in Puerto Rico, when a tomato that made in Puerto Rico costs twice as much as a tomato coming in from from another place? You know, and a lot of people don't really understand that dynamic in Puerto Rico. And I would just like for you to explain to them really what the economic situation is out there, if you could, from your experiences. Okay, so well, I'm not the the, the, indi the most indicated guy to uh, to talk about this uh, from a economic economic standpoint. I'm not an economist. Um, from my understanding, uh, Jones Act, man. Uh, It's strangling Puerto Rico economically. Uh, and, and it's not just more than that. Uh, it's not so much as <clears throat> that it's more expensive to get a tomato from there than that comes from the outside. Uh, but sometimes that tomato goes out before coming back in. Um, and it happens with a lot of things like, like medicines. You know, Puerto Rico has a bunch of pharmaceutical companies that are made there, but things go out and come back and be, be because of, of the Jones Act and, and the cabotage uh, laws, um, we don't get to, to do our own uh, trade with other nations and things need to go through U.S. ports uh, in order before they get Puerto Rico so that increases the price. It's the same thing that happens with Alaska and Hawaii, uh, that it's something coming from China. It can't stop in Hawaii and then keep going and to go to California and then be sent out. So that increases all, you know, the tariffs and, and, and the So that does strangle the, the, the economic power that, that these territories and states have. Um, like I said, I'm not the most qualified guy to talk on this subject, but as to my understanding, it's, it's definitely uh, harming us. Uh, it's, it's limiting our potential to take care of our, our affairs and, and set them in order. Um, so, yeah. 
No, no. I, I appreciate you being as yeah. I appreciate you being as candid as you can about the situation. And I noticed there's a lot of those overtones, you know, political overtones in your music. You know, and I, I was enjoying, you know, some of the music that okay. I was listening to. And, you know, um, it's very eccentric. It's it, it's unique. You know, it, it has that that, you know, like a universality of it, your music. You know, could you discuss a little bit of why you chose to go that route with your music? You know, because there's hip hop influence, there's punk rock influence, there's, mm -hmm. you know, there's Caribbean vibe influences in there. You know, you know, the Bomba Plana, you could tell that it's like a well-rounded form of music, you know. So could you really, you know, discuss why why you It's my music, it's my voice, man. I, I started doing music at like... Like I said, Plena was the very first thing I started doing, but I didn't see it as, as a thing for me uh, until high school. I started playing guitar and and kind of stuck to it. I saw I was good. I had been writing poetry for a long time, and and that activism, that patriotism was came before from a very early age. So it was just a matter of, of putting two and two together. Um, I decided to become an artist because I thought it was going to be easy to you know. Get ahead, become number one in two years, be a millionaire, and didn't have to do shit for the rest of my life. And after time, I, I saw how how actually hard it was, but you know, I committed to it. Uh, and and I it, I used it. I've always used it to kind of uh, equalize my head and get my feelings out and get hurt. I, I I say that's my therapist. My music is my therapist. Uh, so. My passions are there, something I, I, I can't avoid or kind of just put to the side. And, and so I decided to use my music to bring out those passions, including my political, social views. Uh, and, and yeah, you know, I, I always, uh, with time, I try to focus more on, on the positive side of things, uh, on happiness, on the Cisa Puedes, on the you can't do it. And, um, but yeah, there's always that, that political undertone is always there because when things happen like right now that's where i go to first to my notebook so it was slow or writing a melody and put it to chords no and you know and we appreciate that now you know is there a message that you would like to give you know to the, to the latino community right now that is that is really doesn't understand the gr the gravity of the situation right now in terms of like the oh. socioeconomic political uh state of the uh, of the uh, of America right now unity man unity we need to stand together to be strong uh we're facing a lot of different powers that we don't we can't begin to fathom the, the size the magnitude and the how powerful they are the only thing we have is the numbers, um, and and only by you uniting and unifying our efforts is is the way to have a, a positive outcome that works in our favor. If if people are making decisions and they don't know what way to go, if one of the ways that you're presented with separates everybody and the other one unites them, go for that one. Go for the one that unites. Um, being respectful, being conscious, being uh, strategic, but if it's divisive, 
maybe it's not the best way. And don't confuse me uh, with saying, well, you know, protesting the government is divisive. No, that is facing uh, the power structure, the oppression. Now, when it comes to that being said, when it comes to the people, if there's a strategy that's just Puerto Ricans only and there's an all Latinos, let's go for all Latinos. If there's one that is uh, blacks only and there's one that's blacks, Latinos, and whites, and then go for that one. That one is the one that needs to support because strategically, that is the one that's going to have the potential for the most effect. I think once we solve that greater issue, then we compartmentalize, we can compartmentalize and, and, and divide into smaller issues. Uh, but there's a bigger fight that needs to be fought. There is a, there's a bigger um, issues that need to be solved right now um, before we can get too specific, you know. Uh, we need to feed everybody first before we start saying, you know, mine's too salty or mine's too sweet. Let's get food to everybody, then we'll work on content. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of how I see it, and, and, and that's my motto of life and um, how I approach the uh, situation. Now, how do you think we can go about getting food to everybody? Like, what, how do we start breaking down these systems? You know, this is kind of your level area of expertise, a little political science. Aside you know, like, well, arts and you music know. With art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mention food. Okay, let's go there. Uh, everybody that has a lawn should turn it into an orchard. Okay. We need to. Food supply should be, we don't need it industrialized. We need it localized. Definitely. Everybody needs to, or needs to, not should. It should be arbitrary for different people. Um, we need to have, we need to be able to feed ourselves and not depend on the industrial complex. Uh, and when you, I've done some agriculture and, and something that a very wise guy told me is like, when you uh, cultivate food, you need to cultivate for three. For you, for the community, and for waste. Always, there's always, uh, when, you know, when you're cultivando, there's always stuff that goes to waste because of waste or it's just so bad or whatever. So you need to account for the three needs for yourself and your family, for your community, and for what goes to waste. And... When, when you uh, deal with, with agriculture, you, you grow your stuff and there's always uh, surplus. There's always stuff that if you don't use it in the next two days, it's going to go, it's going to spoil. So, you know, you, you don't want to eat tomato seven days, seven times a, a day for every meal. So um, you give to your neighbor and, and that replicates. Um, nature is, nature is very balanced. Nature works perfectly. Uh, and if we follow the 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 paths and and the systems that nature has, we'll be okay. There's enough of everything in this planet to go around, and not just to give enough, but to every for everybody to live in total abundance. So let's follow. I think nature is. Four million years in the making. I think it has it figure out better than Western society. That's you know, like two hundred years. That's just me. You know, that's what I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to say thank you so much. Let us know where we can catch your music at. Where can we find you if you're in the Minneapolis okay, well, area? Where will you be playing when social distancing is over? Are you doing anything online and taking cash app money? You know, what's going well, on with the uh, with, with Mr. Banjo musically? You know, how can we oh, get to you? Oh, wow. Social media, uh, cloud, uh, like the instrument, banjo PR, you'll find some of my music I've done that'll be releasing this year of my stuff. Um, there's also a band that I, I participate in called the One Two Three Balloons, uh, and that's balloons with a Z at the end. Uh, also, every social media, we're, we're working on a record for that, and it's a, it's a children's music band. Um, Plena Sota, that's Plena in Minnesota. Um, you can find us plenasota.com and uh, and on Facebook, and that's our Plena group. And Pan Latino Fest is a festival, a Latino festival that I'm working on. And yeah, I mean, just look for Banjo PR <laughs> and stuff and. And you'll find out. I mean, I'm, I'm like I said, I juggle many, many things at once. I wear many hats, so yeah, I'm always putting stuff out there, some form or another. Well, Mr. Fontanes, thank you for joining the Angel of Words podcast today. We really appreciate your time and juggling us in your schedule. Uh, <laughs> we look forward to seeing what you're going to be up to out in Minnesota, and we wish you all the best over here from the program. And again, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Much respect to you. It's been very uh, comforting and fruitful talking to you. You have a friend. Uh, aside of knowing you the way I know you, uh, we met, which is, you know, that's better than enough. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for the people that listen and lend their ears and Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed my interview today with musician and political activist Ivan Banjo Fontanes. And folks, please click on that notification bell. Keep following us on YouTube. Remember, you can also catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to see what I'm up to on my social media platforms, follow me at Angel of Words, E-N-T, all one word. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Talk to you later.